Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Would Jesus like your latest social media post? Or would he think you needed to log off? Join us for the message, Logging Off. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Would Jesus like your last social media post? Or do you think he would want you to log off? Well, later on, we'll be having the message logging off, so stay tuned for that. I'd also like to invite anyone who has not done so already this week to please make an offering to the ministry of this church. You can do that through our website, tumcd.org through our church center app or through mailing a check to the church. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning with the first verse. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye But do not notice the log in your own eye. Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Just 18 years ago, Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg and his chum started what would eventually become Facebook, the largest social media platform on earth. I was amazed by this. It now has almost 3 billion users, which represents almost 40% of the population of this planet. Well, in 2010, Facebook rolled out the like feature, where friends could click an icon and send their friends a thumbs up of approval. Other social media platforms quickly adopted some form of the like feature, forever changing how generations of users measured their self-worth. Mental health experts point out the alarming realization that the rise of the like buttons on social media has coincided with a disturbing rise in teen depression and suicide. Social media users, especially teens, began to gauge their popularity and thus their self-worth by the number of likes their posts garnered. Now, it's been a long time since I've been a teenager, but even I can almost feel that little rush of dopamine in my brain when something that I posted gets lots of likes. So I can only imagine how that might be rewiring an adolescent brain. Tech industry veteran George Peshnig says this very bluntly. The like button is one of the most sinister pieces of design. On the surface, it is so approachable, easy to use, and taps into our better nature of wanting to show appreciation. It's hard not to like what you like. And while I believe the creators had good intentions, a different cause took hold. And in his just-released book called Low Anthropology, author Daniel Zale writes... The like button introduced a precious yet poisonous commodity, quantifiable affirmation that put erstwhile friends at odds with one another and themselves, 
flattening your personality into one or two characteristics you think others will deem most likable doesn't just insulate you from your friends, it fosters envy and self-recrimination. Well, working with his team at Facebook, Justin Rosenstein pioneered the like button on that social media giant. But reflecting back on his team's legacy, Rosenstein offered this in the 2020 documentary, The Social Dilemma. When we were creating the like button, our entire motivation was, can we spread love and positivity in the world? The idea that fast forward to today, and teens would be getting depressed when they don't have enough likes, or that it could be leading to social polarization, was nowhere on our radar. Talk about unintended consequences. But I would also like to add to Rosenstein's reflections that social media in general, and perhaps the like button in particular, has, no, has not only exasperated our own insecurities, it has in turn made us harsh and sometimes unforgiving critics of others. You see, now we can choose from a variety of responses, including now a thumbs down review. People will still take that chance, however, to post something hoping to increase their social capital and we all oblige by giving them our, response of, our responses or sometimes our lack thereof. Of course, neither self-criticism nor judgmentalism is new. That's why 2,000 years ago, Jesus admonished his followers to refrain from judging others. And he went on to say, For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. And then he actually says something very funny. He goes on, Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, Let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? Now, I think we've heard this so many times that we don't initially see the humor. Plus, we take Jesus' teachings very seriously, as we should, but we don't always realize that Jesus is telling a joke because we don't actually ever picture him as some kind of stand-up comedian. In fact, it wasn't until I saw a production of the, Godspell, of the musical Godspell where trying to take the speck out of another's eye where there was a great log in your own was actually acted out on stage that I could actually see the humor there. And if you get a mental picture of it, you can see that it's actually pretty funny. But the necessity of not judging others, though, is still pretty serious business, and there's several reasons why this is so. First of all, keep in mind that we are never, uh, that we are not all-knowing, and neither are we mind readers. We never know the whole facts, and we never know the whole person. Now, we may say with confidence that we would never do what they did, and, well, perhaps we wouldn't, but perhaps we would if we had had their life experiences, grown up in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their schools. People who have been wounded will often turn and wound others. As some people say, hurt people hurt people. And we all have innate personalities that makes us either more or less prone to do certain things. I've never known a parent, particularly a parent of two or more children, who wouldn't swear that their children were born with certain personality traits. Some people are just naturally more calm where others are more easily agitated. 
Some young children are receptive to strangers while some cling to their parents. I remember reading a story of a man who worked in the office of an opera company. And he tended to be a very, very laid back person while many of the performers in the opera company, as you might imagine, had very intense, sometimes even volatile personalities. So he was asked how he could deal day in and day out with such difficult people and replied, you know, it really, it really can be trying. But think about it, he replied. Would you really want to hear an opera sung by someone who was not passionate and emotive? So we never know all the facts, nor understand the whole person. And we can't know with certainty how would, we would have acted in the same life circumstances or with the same innate personality as another person. Another reason we want to refrain from being judgmental is that we are incapable of being completely impartial in our judgment. Now, being totally objective may be some kind of ideal we aspire to, but all of us are biased in one degree or another. We can never get completely out of our own skin or out of our own perspective. And finally, none of us are, at the end of it, good enough to finally pass judgment on our fellow human beings. We're all sinners, all of us, none of us are God. All of us need to focus our attention on the logs in our own eyes. You know, it's interesting. Over the years, I have found that contrary to stereotype, I have often found older adults to be less judgmental than younger folks. And I think it's because virtually all of us in our lives end up experiencing at least one, and usually more than one, big, fat, hairy adult failure in our lives. We get divorced. Our businesses fail. We make major mistakes raising our children. And I think older adults realize that some of the dreams we had for life come true, and some of them don't. Life isn't perfect, and sometimes we just have to muddle through in our quest to be decent human beings while also trying to be at least reasonably happy. I always found it interesting in the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. A group of men bring this woman to Jesus' feet, and they want to stone her because they believe that she's guilty of infidelity. And Jesus, in saying one of the most wise things I think ever uttered, says, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Well, the gospel tells us that it was the elders who turned to leave first. Because I think the elders knew what it was like to live with life's mistakes and to live with the compromises that we all have to make in life. And I've seen this happen now multiple times. I know a person who, who has very conservative, very traditional opinions concerning full LGBTQ inclusion, but I've seen this multiple times where they start to soften or even reverse their views after going through their own divorces. Life isn't perfect. And few of us can fully live up to that golden image of what an ideal family or a perfect marriage is supposed to look like. But, you know, not everyone reacts this way. Many of us in the Reconciling Congregation movement, we just have to shake our heads at one of the United Methodist bishops who have been most vocal in his opposition 
to full LGBTQ inclusion. Because you see, he himself has been divorced twice and is now on his third marriage. Go figure. But I also know what some of you probably are saying to yourselves. We have to make judgments sometimes. I mean, we have to have a criminal justice system. We can't just let people get away with anything that they want to do. And that's true. No, we can't. Choices have consequences. And a society with no accountability will descend into chaos. And while forgiveness is a divine virtue, so is justice. I think one way to deal with this dichotomy is to differentiate between being judgmental and just being discerning. We do need to exercise judgment in every area of life. We must make moral and ethical decisions. And sometimes that means we have to deal with people who have violated our sense of right and wrong. And sometimes they violate it in, in ways that hurt us or hurt people that we love. But when we do make judgments, we can ask ourselves, what is our motivation? Are we making judgments in order to, to condemn other people? Are we more interested in controlling others or to make ourselves look better? Or are we motivated by a sincere desire to discern the truth, to enlighten our own sense of right and wrong, and to remove those logs from our eyes? But I do think that one of the most compelling reasons to stop being judgmental is just how freeing it is. When we stop judging others and we instead develop compassion for other people, we often end up being more compassionate toward ourselves. And we shed that imperfection that to some degree imprisons us all. Because you see, so perfectionism is exhausting. I read an article this week containing this mock headline. Woman hospitalized after attempting effortless lifestyle. None of us can do it. And this constant emphasis on living your best life has become not only exhausting but also paralyzing. I'm hearing and reading more and more about the feelings of burnout in younger adults. And there's even a term that I learned this week about one of the ways this manifests itself. It's called errand paralysis. That's the feeling of overwhelm that prevents some of us from getting even the most simple everyday errands done in a timely fashion. You know, I rarely hear of people consistently who keep their email inbox cleared to the point where some people have now called it the inbox of shame. Because no one can constantly live their best life. Yet we will curate and then post our best lives in order to get that little dopamine rush that we get from multiple likes on our social media profile. But what if we start just giving both ourselves and others a break? John Pavlovitz is an author and a former pastor who writes a very popular blog called Stuff That Needs to Be Said. And he had one particularly very popular blog that came out in 2019 entitled, Everyone Around You is Grieving, Go Easy. And he writes about going to the grocery store to buy bananas the day his father died. And he writes it was almost a surreal experience. And a part of him just wanted to wear a sign around his neck 
I just lost my dad. Please go easy. And he goes on to write, everyone around you, the people you share the grocery store line with, pass in traffic, sit next to at work, encounter on social media and see across the kitchen table. They're all experiencing the collateral damage of living. They're all grieving someone, missing someone, worried about someone. Their marriages are crumbling or their mortgage payment is late or they're waiting on their child's test results or they're getting bananas five years after a death and still pushing back tears because the loss feels as real as it did that first day. When I first read this blog entry, it took me back to the day after my mom died. You see, I was at the store in line, and for reasons that I really don't fully remember now, I was just getting increasingly impatient and annoyed at the cashier. And evidently, my annoyance was showing through my body language and my tone of voice. To be honest, I was just being rude to her. But instead of getting defensive or surly or deliberately going slower just to vex me, she looked at me and said in a very kind voice, are you having a bad day? And the tears immediately came to my eyes and I apologized and I told her, yes, I was having a horrible day. My mom had just died the day before. And I will never forget that cashier's kindness that day. And a friend of mine tells a similar story, though in her case it was the cashier who was being rude. But instead of reacting harshly, my friend simply asked her, are you having a bad day? And tears came to that cashier's eyes. She apologized and she said that she was afraid that her sister was dying. Several years ago, I was in a conflict situation where I felt I was being badly mistreated. Actually, I was being badly mistreated. A friend asked, though, if I could simply have some compassion for the other person, because all of us are caught up in this broken world that has in turn broken all of us. And I knew what she meant, but at that time, I was too close to the situation to be able to do that. But I can look back and do that now. Now I can look back and I have compassion for that person because I realized that just like me, at that time, he was doing the best that he knew how to do. And so now I can affirm and confirm our own common humanity because we're all doing the best we can. We all have these logs that are obscuring our view And sometimes we use those logs to beat others up, and sometimes those logs are used to beat us up. So let's remove the log from our eyes, and then let's lay those logs down. Let's log off. Jesus has already liked us, and that's all that we need. Amen. And now with the confidence that we have as the children of God, Let's pray the prayer that our Lord taught us in his Sermon on the Mount. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series based on the Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew. You'll find audio recordings of all our services on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Remember, we're now worshiping both in person in our sanctuary as well as online. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.